0: All right, we are back here on the Ohioan and to give us some transparency. We don't use a record during the evening, but when we have the chance to talk to somebody from the state, especially the press secretary for Ohio Governor Mike DeWine, hey, we'll do it in the evening. And we got Dan Tierney here. We're excited to have him on. Dan, how's it going?
1: I'm good, Chris. Yourself?
0: Fantastic. Um, You know, in the media, we know you. Um, I'm sure the typical Ohio resident might not know you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've worked with the governor for uh,
1: i worked with the governor since 2011. The, I am a uh, native of Trumbull County. Uh, went to high school at uh, Warren JFK, which uh, the uh, probably their most famous alumni that people would know, besides Dan Tierney, are uh, Director Chris Columbus uh, of uh, the Harry Potter films and the Home Alone films, uh, as well as uh, talk show host Hugh Hewitt. Uh, and uh, third and uh, probably in the political realm is uh, Congressman Tim Ryan. Uh, in fact, when I was in high school, I, I was a lineman, uh, but uh, Tim Ryan was a played quarterback for uh, our high school team, and uh, he was our quarterback's coach while he was a uh, uh staff member in Jim Traffkin's district office before he ran for state senate in 2000. So, the uh, so that's kind of our rundown, uh, where we're there. I'm a graduate of Ashland University, uh, and uh. The, uh I've been with Governor DeWine since uh, 2011 and is a uh, spokesperson and now uh, the press secretary in the governor's office.
0: Fantastic.
2: Uh, Dan, good to have you here. Um, uh, just what's like your favorite and least favorite parts of your job?
1: Well, the uh, depth. I would say that prior to the pandemic, you could say that there was something different that would happen every single day that always kept the job interesting. The job is still very interesting in a different way, but uh, uh, nowadays, you know, obviously, with the governor being laser focused on doing everything we can with the pandemic, to, uh, you know, get out of this as quick, as quickly as we can, vaccinate as many Ohioans as quickly as we can, and uh, keep as many uh, Ohioans Their you know keep them alive and with us through that process. You know, we're, uh, it's it's more COVID every single day, than obviously prior to the pandemic. But prior to that, it was always something different every single day, which which keeps things interesting and uh, uh, very much enjoy that aspect of the job. And so there's obviously, you know, with COVID, there's different COVID issues every single day. So even in with everything being laser focused on one issue, there's so many aspects of the pandemic that, uh, people are seeking assistance from the go- the state or, you know, policy solutions for the state that we're, we keep things pretty interesting you know, there as well.
3: Well, Dan, we thanks uh, thanks for having, you know, coming on talking to us. Good to talk to you again. Um, you know, I know the governor has been very sort of transparent and it's even gotten to the point now where he has, you know, he's had many news conferences in his own home, and we've gotten to know him, you know, throughout this process. Is there anything that maybe you've learned in your time with the governor that maybe might surprise people? Maybe it surprised you, but maybe it might surprise people to learn about.
1: Well, he's definitely the, you know, he's known him amongst press as being very transparent, and it's uh, it's very much of what you see is what you get uh, type situation. So the, the, the as you noted, it's uh, very nice that yeah, the Ohioans have kind of seen him in his home ever since that uh, false positive. Of course, you know for those who aren't familiar, the governor was uh, uh, scheduled to uh, meet with President Trump during one of his Ohio visits, and you know the, the COVID screening tests, and the governor of all people you know, <laughs> got a, what ended up being a false positive. So it was kind of a news story for a day on oh, the oh my lord, the, the governor of Ohio who. Has been fairly cautious on COVID. You know, was a uh, uh, positive, but was a uh, false uh, positive. But you know, ever since then, we've done uh, the press briefings by Zoom. Uh, he very much uh, when we had to do that out of safety precautions because we didn't know if it was positive, and we didn't want to, uh, you know, expose any uh, from the press corps or anybody else. You know, the uh, we were able to do that, and people were able to to come in and. Uh, yeah, you know, be around the state and it's been uh that was uh so now people get to see him in his home and uh they, uh, they get to see a dolly the dog <laughs> from the press conference as well. uh and uh there's uh we, we've been uh it, technology's really helped us make it a road show and keep things interesting and uh uh that's what's probably something you'll see a lot more of you, you saw him probably uh on the road at the CINCOS center in cincinnati uh, at that vaccination site. We did one at the Wolstein Center. So, um, technology is allowing us to take these shows on the road, but also keep access for all the media and viewers around the state of Ohio who are interested in watching us. And we got a good partner in the Ohio channel to, to help us uh, keep that out there. So, but, the, you, know, the, you know, he's definitely very genuine. And what you see is what you get with Governor Dwine and, and Mrs. point
0: Well, before it gets back to Brandon, I have to say that day and in- Thankfully, he didn't have COVID. Thankfully, you know, things didn't go south. But the greatest part of the day was I remember all the TV trucks were in front of his house there in Cedarville. And one of the reporters can't remember the name where the network was like, oh, this is a serious tense situation at the DeWine house. And you can see behind the door swings open The wine runs out. I think he's in shorts and bare feet, and he's having the dog. He's petting the dog and everything. And uh, it just made me laugh. It was great. I mean, I'm glad he's okay, but to me, that kind of brought levity to a bad day or a rough day for everybody. Uh, Brent, what do you have?
2: Oh, I was just gonna say, on those press conferences, they kind of have taken a kind of a life of their own. Um, Do you guys look forward to them, or is it something you might continue doing post-COVID? Well, the (laughs) post-COVID.
1: The governor is really, uh, really likes traveling the state of Ohio, and so he likes, you know, being out in communities and visiting places. And so, the I don't know if uh, we'll, we'll continue those briefings in that fashion or not. But I think what what you'll see is definitely an effort that, you know, now that you know the governor's vaccinated, more and more people are getting vaccinated. It's starting to become safer to do things amongst people who are all vaccinated, we're going to be, you'll see the governor out more and more, but you know, the, you know it's always, you know, the, the, the state house press corps, you know, they, they, they like to get their one question at the governor a week and they've been getting far more than that during the pandemic, <laughs> but, the, uh, uh, but certainly the, uh, you know, other areas of the state, you know, the, you know, when, uh, when you visit Mansfield, you know, we want to talk to the, the folks at the news journal and WMFD when we're up in Youngstown, you got, two TV stations and oh, yeah. you know, two news, uh, a newspaper and a website and, and, and all sorts of places that want to talk to him. And so we try and we. the governor's always enjoyed traveling and visiting people in the state of Ohio and, uh, and meeting with small business owners, meeting with large business owners, meeting with uh, 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 various uh, state offices as well as showcasing, uh, you know, the, the governor has a great passion for selling Ohio. And one of the, Things that you probably noticed is uh, awful lot of media advisories about the governor visiting this, uh, you know, this state park or that state park, and and promoting you know the various state parks and our nat Department of Natural Resources and those things that Ohio has to offer as well.
0: I got to ask you a couple fun questions about the press conferences because um, I like the fact that they reassured me because I know at the start of this nobody knew what was going on, and I appreciate former health director Amy Acton her style. It was kind of like, hey, it's going to be okay. You know, you got to do what you need to do, but you know, we're not going to fall over dead. You know, we're going to be okay. You know, fighting the curve. You know, all that stuff helped me. It helped ease my fears, not just as a journalist, but as a human being. So I like that. But there's some rapid fire, fun questions I got to ask you about the press conferences. Sure. I was excited. I had my first COVID vaccine on Monday at one p.m. I almost tried to make it two p.m. because I know recently. We have the press conferences at 2. I know we didn't have one this week, and that's fine. I'm like, I was hoping. I, I said, maybe I could go in there at 2. The camera would be there. I could talk to the governor. <laughs> <up there. laughs> you get requests for people to have their vaccines live on air? How that work?
1: The uh, Well, well, certain ones we've arranged. Obviously, the governor, the first lady, the uh, lieutenant governor, have all had their uh, vaccinations uh, live. Uh, you know, there have been some officials locally who – will ask us when we're traveling hey i know the governor's coming here to promote the vaccine clinic would it be helpful if i uh you know did that and part of this too is that everybody wants to encourage as many people to be vaccinated as possible i mean everybody's seen the public opinion polling. we know it's not a hundred percent uptake uh and there's a wide variety of reasons that is so some of it is hesitancy some of it is people want to wait and see you know, some people are you that looking to see if I can get a certain vaccine over another, which, of course, the doctor said the best one you should get is one that's available to you, <laughs> especially with the, the Right now, we're still in a stage where we have uh, more demand than we do supply. So the uh, so we have uh, had a few people do that, but it's more out of they they want to be helpful and help spread the message that, hey, this is uh, it's okay to get the vaccine. It's a good thing. And uh, this is what will help us get out of the pandemic.
0: And obviously, it's not about a show. You guys are helping people out. You're conveying information about COVID. So I, I'm not going to try to have fun and gear you down a wrong path. But you got to look at this. I mean, you had groups saying, hey, let's have some wine with the wine. You had, we're, we're going snacking with acting." I mean, what was the behind the scenes like before they went out? I mean, obviously, their are laser focused on, hey, let's help fight COVID. Let's get the rules out there. But there was crazy stuff going on. I mean, was there mm-hmm. any...
1: There were various. There were stages of the press conference. So the, as people who've seen the Ohio Channel prior to 2020 remember, there's probably a White House briefing type room that people see. There's the Harding press room that uh, uh, the Ohio Senate operates, and we, we as long as we often uh, have been asked, we ask permission to use it because it's set up very nicely to get the TV feed out to the Ohio Channel across the state. So we started doing our press briefings there. And we quickly realized, because it literally was a shoebox when you watch everybody from Cleveland, Columbus and Cincinnati in there that, OK, we're going to be promoting social distancing. We can't do it in here. Right. Uh, so then we moved it to the Senate Finance Hearing Room. And that's around the time we also started adding the uh, the American Sign Language interpreters. We have kind of become celebrities in their own. Oh, yeah. Um, Marla Berkowitz, I think, has her uh, own bobblehead and uh, being being a Browns fan, I know there was a great period of time where on the uh, uh, the the reflog uh, show that you see pop mm-hmm. <laughs> up on Twitter that they would uh, they just put Mar, uh, you know Marla up there and she'd be sign language oh, It was probably the actual press conference feed, but it was they just had her up in the corner sign language, to whatever the, uh, the the team was doing on that. Uh, but there were a bunch of us who were you know people would see us as uh, Ohio Channel was waiting to go live. And People saw the live feed, so Eric, our photographer, and uh, a bunch of us had nicknames. And of course, the the public was calling me Bowtie Guy because I wear a bow tie when I'm uh, in uh, de- uh, business attire. So, the uh, so there were little things like that that were going on throughout the process. We eventually, uh, when the President Trump announced that uh, mask, nobody should gather in more than groups of ten, you know, we were socially distanced in the Senate Finance Room, but we couldn't. We had to get down to groups of 10 so what we ended up doing then is that's when the the governor and lieutenant governor and dr acton were in one room and the press were in another room uh, and they were in groups of 10 we didn't have any more than 10 reporters in the room uh eventually it was that when the masking guidance went into place we then moved out all the media into the atrium of the state house where they were very widely spread out but everybody was also masked and you know kind of under the current guidance everybody as long as you socially distance, wear a mask, reduce your interactions with those outside your house or your workplace. Um, so we were basically in that format right up until that that false positive moved everything to Zoom. And again, one of the things that I know the media has pointed out and uh, that we've uh, noticed as well is that when we went to Zoom, we were able to allow reporters from. Uh, places that weren't willing to drive to Columbus, they've they now chance to ask questions and participate. So uh, uh, we get reporters almost every day from the Youngstown area. Uh, we get reporters from um, some of the newspaper chains in Northwest Ohio. Uh, we get, uh, a lot of Cincinnati TV and Cleveland TV uh, participate at a greater rate than they had before. So the uh, so the different it's just been interesting. Man, to see watching all those different formats and how. You know the media has reacted to it in terms of participation and it's, it's been a good thing because you have more media outlets participating which uh, gets the message out to more people
0: a couple quick rapid fire i got a follow-up on this but you said this about a uh, former president trump did he ever ask to be on the press conference did we ever have a president trump sighting or president trump call on a divine press conference
1: the one the, we, we've had quite a few celebrity drop-ins as you know right. uh, and. Probably the one that was closest to that was uh, when Governor Schwarzenegger came on right after the uh, the the Arnold uh, decision was made, which was very early on. The Arnold was one of the probably the first major event that was canceled of that scale and 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 done so in coordination with the local facilities. It actually was uh, yeah that decision was made probably about three or four days before South by Southwest was. Was canceled back in march of 2020 so the uh but uh they got uh governor schwarzenegger uh, uh appeared with audio <laughs> by audio uh yeah. it was i think fairly rudimentary at that point i think we were holding up a cell phone to a microphone <laughs> as, the, <laughs> as the governator was who was calling in and talking about <laughs> it. everybody needing to, to stay safe and fit, uh the arnold being reduced to uh, probably yeah. just the uh, bodybuilding show at the end so that's probably uh, – we've had a few others, of course, Clark Kellogg, Anthony Munoz. Uh, uh, so we've we've had, we've had a few
0: other uh, uh, celebrities. I'm an OPR guy. What better chance of publicity? I mean, we want to get to wear out our podcast. The three of us will show up on <laughs> 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 Just give us a script. We'll say whatever you want to say. It'll be great. I mean, it would be fantastic. All right, two other fun questions before we move on. Sorry, I have to ask these things. Sure. Um, you know, hey, I covered the governor when he was in Mansfield as attorney general, and loved the relationship between him and you know his wife. Um, he was asking us to take cookbooks, and I thought he was just kidding. He's like, "No, take a cookbook." So I took a cookbook. What a relationship that must be? I mean, it's it's kind of a unique relationship. He's a shorter guy; she's a taller woman. I mean how how are they together i mean it sounds like they have a really fun relationship i mean probably after he leaves the governor's office he could probably help herself well
1: Well, there's definitely uh, you you you, your goal is obviously to have your spouse be your best friend and they are the true embodiment of that and you know they they are truly a, a team and uh the uh each other's rocks and so there's definitely it's not hard to see that so the uh but uh, you know the, the story is always that uh, when uh, when Governor Dewine was running for county prosecutor in Greene County in the 1970s, the uh, the first lady was trying to figure out a way that she could uh, you know help and, and talk in, in a non forced political way to try and be, you know you know more genuine and. And, you know, to, you know, she wanted to do it from the heart and, you know, not just hand out a piece of literature. Because, uh, so, you know, the, the thought was, okay, we know what happened, what we would do with literature, which just throws straight in the garbage. And so we want something that people keep. And so that's where the cookbook idea came from, where, uh, you know, the you'd be able to hand out the cookbook and that would be more likely something somebody would keep than a piece of uh, campaign literature. So I, I got one yeah.
0: back soon, but I didn't get a friend to wine Buckeye. <laughs> <laughs> and I got set because I heard that she was giving out the Buckeyes in Southern Ohio. I, I, like, I will
1: say that my favorite Buckeyes recipe of hers that I have that I have made before, I, I often do it at Super Bowl parties, is her uh, salted nut bars. They're kind of like pecan bars, except she uses mixed nuts instead of the pecans.
0: <laughs> this is kind of cheesy by guys. Have you ever played basketball against each other?
1: I do not know.
0: <laughs> okay. I, I'm just thinking, but she's tall. I mean, she could, you know. I'm sure. He, I'm sure he's probably a good basketball player too. I just, I don't know. I always wonder about that stuff. The
1: uh, the, the governor a big sports guy. I know he was uh, when uh, he was growing up. UD basketball was in a uh, heyday, similar to where they were a few years ago. And the uh, he was uh, so he, he's, he's certainly a basketball fan, but uh, baseball obviously is his passion. His oh yeah, and yeah.
0: Oh, should probably. be. Being up pretty good with her height. I and mean, it'd be great. So, <laughs> yeah, I got to ask you, too. You're behind the scenes. I'm behind the scenes as a web producer. So I, I know I know how you're anxious this. You, you don't get attention. I don't get attention. You, you're kind of the glue that helps make our – for me, our reporters and editors look good. You're the glue that makes the governor look good. But have you ever gotten – have you been jealous? I mean, wine with the wine, snacking with acting, tea with tyranny, tacos with <laughs> tyranny. I
3: mean
0: yeah. –
1: and uh, no, no, we've never been uh, jealous. Uh, the uh, you know, yeah, you know, we have our job, and it's okay. fun. And uh, uh, I, I will say that uh, you know, I, I get my uh, heyday with the uh, in the Zoom uh, press conference because I am the uh, person who announces the uh, the next questions. So the uh, yeah, we'll be able to out Governor the. Final question today. This is the final question for today and it belongs to Jim Otte of WHIO in Dayton or whoever
0: it is. I, I always enjoy those parts. I mean, I, again, I, I look at these as serious, but I enjoy, you know, the the fun parts of it today. It's I,
1: I will say when we do have a reporter from a new place or, uh, uh, or uh, in particular, uh, any of the West Virginia markets, I do actually, because we're, we're talking to a lot of the same people every day. It is nice when oh, we, yeah. It's like, oh, we got uh, Kenny Bass from WCHS in Charleston, West Virginia. Or, and we've had uh, Parkersburg come in. Uh, uh, not as much wheeling. Uh, we, we did have uh, the Steubenville uh, Station on the other side of that market come in uh, in person a few times. Uh, but they've uh, not joined us uh, on the uh, there. Oh, we also did have Port uh, uh, Wayne, Indiana. Once. There are, of course, uh, three counties in the western part of the state that, uh, uh Primarily get their television uh, from uh, the Fort Wayne media market, so we have had uh, Fort Wayne join us as, as well. So uh, the uh, so we've got uh, three different three different states join us uh, on these press briefings, as well as uh, we've had the New York Times and the Washington Post and uh, uh, ABC News National Bureau uh, uh, also joining the questions before as well.
0: I appreciate. Uh, Dan, I hate to say this. I have a hard out. i got a family situation i got to take care of. But I want um, Craig and Brandon to finish up the interview. Um, so, guys, uh, please take it away.
3: All right. Thanks a lot, Chris. Uh, I think I'll go next here, Dan. Um, you know, obviously, COVID is a very serious matter. And it's got to wane on not just, you know, people that have it, family members, they know it have it, but you, the governor, the lieutenant governor, the reporters that are reporting on it every day, um, you know, what's sort of been, you know, what, what's maybe that moment that scared you the most about COVID-19. Was it, you know, from your personal perspective of maybe getting it or a family member getting it? Or was it just the sort of the day to day, knowing that you were going to be, you know, discussing COVID when there was press conferences every day, or of course, now the biweekly ones?
1: Well, uh, I do some uh, volunteer work uh, for my uh, national fraternity, Kappa Sigma, and uh, we were right before this all hit. Uh, I was out in uh, Las Vegas. We were doing a charity scholarship drive. We uh, that was a successful weekend. We raised a half million dollars for uh, coll- collegiate scholarships that weekend. And I remember as everything was coming back, you know, that was right before everybody started masking and things shut down. And I'm like you know, monitoring myself, you know, the checking my forehead. Hey, am I having a fever and all that? But I think that everybody, you know, keeping distance and, and we'd know that it was good. You know, you when you're traveling places that you're more at risk than when you're staying at your house. But I think once once we got, uh, you know, down to you know, the simple masks and social distance, And you follow the rules, you're probably going to be in good shape. But you know, of course, when you do go outside your comfort zone, the uh, it it can be a little uh, you know nerve wracking. I remember very early. I I I do our family grocery shopping anyways, but early in the pandemic, you know, wearing a mask and you know putting on the the latex gloves. I haven't worn the latex gloves grocery shopping in in about ten months. But I did that early on for. For a few weeks till we got a better sense of where things were going, and we knew it was we found out it was more respiratory than, right. than, than touching stuff. Although you should still wash your hands, it's a big part of it as well. So,
3: did you also do the um, I, my wife and I took to uh, disinfecting all of the groceries? We bring them in, we'd have our wet wipes or our alcohol swabs, and we'd wipe down. Did you also do that? We we, 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 did we, still, still,
1: do, we still do that,
3: okay? Okay, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> but, but part of that is
1: too is that you know, we, we, we do a Saturday grocery shopping regimen, and some of that stuff we want to use right away the uh, i mean we all know that you know now that you know covid probably dies on surfaces by five days away so most of the stuff you put in the cabinet you're you and you if you're using it later in the week you might be good but if you want to use it right away it's still not a bad <laughs> idea so we'd, we'd rather be safe than sorry so you know the uh, um you know as the governor talked about in his one uh, his last uh, evening speech you know you don't want to uh, he talked, gave the story about his dad and a member of his, uh, a unit in the military in World War II who, who died a few weeks before the war ended. And we don't want anybody to be in that situation where sure. they, they don't make it out of this. We, we, we want everybody to come with us and, and get back to normal.
3: Absolutely. Brandon?
2: Yeah. Um, for the record, actually, Dan, I made a, um, I made some tea actually for tea with tyranny <laughs> because the guys are <laughs>
3: talking that
2: about <laughs> that will catch on
3: hashtag Tea with Tyranny.
2: Just a nice big cup here. Um, I,
1: uh, have, so. I the cold beverages, but we do uh, brew. Uh, we'll use the the big Louisiana tea bags to make ice iced tea with. So,
2: <laughs> but uh, um, but yeah, you know, media has changed uh, a lot, and uh, we have some non traditional news sites along with mainstream media. How how different does that make your job?
1: the uh we've always treated whether you're a mainstream reporter or blogger you know we we've treated everybody pretty much the same if they contact us for a comment or a request we'll we'll do that and certainly we've had a few non-traditional uh reporters do that the uh due to space you know we do have a policy at the press briefings that the we we do we do limit it uh members of the legislative correspondents association and and mainstream media outlets uh, these days, because uh, as everybody knows, you know, we will get about 25 reporters every press conference and we can only get through about 15 questions. So it's it's a little bit, you know, work for us to to make it fair and equitable and, and try and give everybody out there. Because, you know, getting part of these is to inform the people and to get the the message out and the ways that they receive news, whether it's TV, whether it's radio, whether it's, you know, in a newspaper or on a website. So but, you yeah, know, there's there's always been a interesting Max you, you know, it, it's been fun to learn the uh, all the media markets around the state and who the, the the players are and who the longtime news people are and then you you see uh, students who start off as maybe a uh, intern or you, you've talked to them you know, they write for the BGA paper they write for the uh, the Athens uh, uh, post down in uh, at OU and then you you, you see them move on quickly. Very- <laughs> places so the uh i know that the uh, for example the the usa today bureau chief down in columbus i've worked with her in three different newspaper roles and another one of their uh cleveland.com's people i, I were i've worked with in three newspaper roles so it's uh it's interesting uh with that part of it as well so and uh yeah always uh proud to be from the Mahoning valley and then you've seen the people who. We're uh, uh, veterans of that paper who've moved on, like uh, Daryl Rowland, the former public affairs editor of the, the Dispatch Show. You know, he was at the Tribune Chronicle when I was a boy up there. And so Tom Reed, who wrote for The Athletic and now is with the DK Sports Pittsburgh. But he was with the Dispatch for a while while covering hockey and soccer. So those those things are are, are interesting and fascinating to follow as well.
3: Sure. Um, you know, kind of a good segue, you know, you've dealt with a lot of personalities over the years since, you know, coming in to the fold here with the the governor when he was AG and now here, but uh, what's sort of maybe the strangest request, you don't have to name names, but what's sort of the strangest request you've maybe received from a media member, whether it's right before they go on one of these COVID, you know, workshops or maybe before that, but what's sort of maybe the, the weirdest or strangest request you've ever gotten?
1: There is a hands down answer
3: to that. And
1: it's, uh, it comes out of the uh, the public records law. And is, uh, I, I, as I've said, the, the governor takes that very seriously. And so through my career with him, I've always taken very seriously that we have to do the media requests for uh, public records and get those out in a reasonable period of time. When we were at the AG's office, one of the ways that we're, one of the services that reporters would use quite a bit is the constituent complaint database, you know, the AG is the consumer protection agency for the state. And so somebody lodges a complaint against a company, of course, that's logged as a complaint. And those are public records. And so we have a database and people would often say, Okay, company x, I want all the consumer complaints against them. And yeah, you know, the it was a <clears throat> big friend to all the TV investigative reporters who are you know, looking at, you know, whatever Fly-by-night scammer—they're looking for—but so we did. We got a request, and it was from uh, I believe uh, it was from a national production studio, a a big-name one, and they were asking for complaints against a lab, a medical testing lab in Western Ohio. And I'm like, okay, that's just strange on its front. Why are why is this lab? Why are they want? Why is this national thing asking for constituent complaints? against a medical lab. It just didn't make sense, especially given the volume of roofing complaints and, you know, uh, <laughs> over bills that we normally get. Why, why are they seeking that from us? And so we got on the records. There were about three or four complaints we put in a spreadsheet. We sent it off. And then the the requester emailed me back saying, thank you. And then in her email signature, it said, producer for the Maury Povitz show. And I'm like, oh, wow. They were digging for the, uh, you're not the father
3: segment. <laughs> 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 when you get a weird request like that, or when you get a request in general, do you have to, you know, usually run that by people, or does the governor usually trust your judgment on, you know, what message that you you have to get out, or what request you have to fill? Those
1: are those are pretty straightforward. If there's something that obviously we we want him to be aware of cuz again, you know, normal times he's out and about often and he'll be in front of the the press often and so we we'll, we keep him abreast of those things just so that if uh one of the reporters asks him about it <laughs> that he's right. He's, he's well up to speed. I don't know if we ever brought that one up to the governor or not, because it was just a simple fulfilling a records request. And then we got the thank you from the producer at the Mario <laughs> show. It's like Later, You're bringing <laughs>
3: families together. That's great, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That's great.
2: You know, Dan, it was just a fun story. I think, um, I was cutting my teeth, at, uh, a few years back as a journalist and, um, for the vindicator in Youngstown actually. And, um, uh, I was working on the story of, um, about a um, Campbell sex teacher. Uh, sc- uh, excuse me, a Campbell teacher, uh, you know, s- sex with students kind of case, and uh, BCI was involved with it. And um, I couldn't get in touch with the BCI spokesperson one time. I guess and so for some reason, I look back and I don't know what was what I was thinking, but it was, I reached out to you actually, I think, and started. Um, you, I think you said, "Oh yeah, I think I can help you." started talking about the case. And he's like, oh yeah, you need to talk to BCI. <laughs> you need to talk to, I think her name was Kay, maybe Kay or Kate or something. So um, don't know if that rings a bell, but um, I was just, I look back and say, oh, he's more of the spokesperson for uh, for the for the attorney general at the time. So well,
1: not- there, there would certainly be a high profile case because that, that we uh, we have one of our staff members, uh, uh, Jill uh, Del Greco, uh, wouldn't handle a lot of our BCI inquiries. It was so. Jill. Yeah. Yeah, Kate Hansen was our, uh, at the AG's office, was our person who would handle the. Uh, the constituent affairs type uh, situations. So, but if it was a big case, and, th- and there were certainly lots of big cases. I, 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 it's fun, it's interesting to think about the the big cases that uh, Attorney General DeWine oversaw when he was overseeing BCI and special prosecutions. Uh, of course, you know, Craig and I were talking before the show. A lot of them were in his coverage area, and he reported on quite a few of them. But I mean, there were, there were some major national ones. You know, of course, there was the the rape case. That happened, uh, you know, in in 2012. That was uh, very significant. Uh, there was the uh, the Jacob Lombarios case uh, in Sandusky County. Uh, there was, of course, the uh, the Roden homicides down in southern Ohio. The, the yeah, that that's certainly one of those days that I'll never forget because it was it was a Friday. We did not have much on the calendar. I go in the office, and about 15 minutes later, it was Jill saying. Hey, there's that you know this happened, and so you know I went on changed into a suit, went down there and it was the day before i remember my da- one of my uh, daughters uh, it was either her first or second birthday, but I was scheduled to just go home and make cupcakes afterwards, and i did it was just uh, I did it at two a m instead of you know, the uh, the the six p m that I would have uh, originally done it by so but some of the you know some of those national cases that there were a few others that were uh done on Dateline NBC that, you know, were, yeah, that, that BCI did, did work on that, that we we saw. And uh, there was also the Bobby Thompson case, which was, uh, you know, featured on American greed on, uh, on CNBC. Uh, you know, it was almost like a real life catch me if you can type situation with the, with that. So just a lot of those, so being involved in those and, and seeing some of the stuff behind the scenes was just, was just fascinating. And of course being involved in those. And uh, I, I think the, the you were asking earlier about uh, whether I got jealous for my one moment of fame. The uh, I, I did have one moment of fame where my name did end up in a CNN alert. Where it was uh, the uh, when the uh, you know the 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 three women were kept in the house uh, up in Cleveland right. and they escaped and we were asked to do very quickly the DNA testing on the child that was found with them to see if the uh, uh, the suspect was the father, and which he was, and we we confirmed it. And CNN may have been like the fifth or sixth outlet we confirmed it to, but it ended up in a CNN alert that we confirmed, yes, he was the father. Yeah, he says uh, ATO spokesperson, Dan Tierney, and they put my name in the CNN alert that went out on everybody's phones and on the top of the website.
3: Yeah, at least that wasn't Maury Povich's uh, group getting in there. You are <laughs> the <laughs> one
1: you know. Yeah, it, it came full circle
3: there. So. Yes, it is. Raymond, do you want to ask the next question there?
2: Sure. Um, you know, um, how difficult um, uh, do you think it'll be to be a press secretary when COVID's kind of like in the rear, rear view mirror?
1: Right. Again, I'm, I, w- I would very much look forward to uh, you know, traveling the state with uh, the governor and getting out and about to those places. So the, you know. Yeah, I enjoyed, uh, you know, traveling with the governor back to, uh, Trumbull and Mahoning counties and you know, Cincinnati and Dayton and getting to see places I haven't seen before. So, uh, those are, uh, very much, uh, I would often staff the governor at editorial boards. And so going to meet with the editors in person over to Zoom, that's always, you know, preferred anyways. But, you know, if we can eventually get back to that, that'd be nice. I'm sure a lot of them would still prefer Zoom maybe after the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> He's use, but, uh, the uh i i i think uh, you know when the pandemic ends we'll st- we we'll, we still have a lot of work to do in the state of ohio to uh to you know get things as back to normal as possible and promote uh ohio businesses and and our continued recovery uh in the state and uh you know we're in a at a pretty good spot you know as far as you know, you look at the national numbers. You know, Ohio is doing better than places that did not have diversified economies. That you know, if their economy was more based upon tourism or a uh, thing. You know, we had a very good you know base of uh, uh, of businesses that were manufacturing things and building things and making things that were important during the pandemic. And yeah, you know, that's uh, uh, so Ohio. You know, we were hit like everybody else, but you know the we're doing better than in many other states, uh, uh, partially because of the work that everybody did to make sure we were in a good spot, good diversified economy beforehand. And, uh, you know, Ohio, we, we, we've done things a little bit differently than other states. Uh, you know, for example, you look at restaurants, we never, uh, you know, said, okay, you can only have 50% of people on a restaurant. We just said you had to socially distance and you can put as many tables as you can socially distance inside a restaurant. So we never did a capacity limit like Texas or some other states did. We uh, uh, we, we kept a lot of businesses open uh, in, during the, the stay at home period, because, you know, if you could, uh, I remember I'd get calls from reporters. It's like, why did, it's a car dealership open at this time. I'm, well, doctors got to get their oil changes done sometimes. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, there, there's just a lot, lot of uh, stuff that you know. There was an attitude; it's like, "Oh, we got to shut everything down." Ohio didn't do that. We kept um, quite a bit open because there's so much that that was done to support the first responders and the people taking right. care of people early on. And of course, now we know that we can keep pretty much everything open if we just socially distance and have a mask on. So right. the uh, Interesting watching that evolution, but we're uh, Ohio. Ohio did things a little bit different. We we always tried to figure out what's the best solution for us, as opposed to just kind of taking the, the the strict national guidance and 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 saying, okay, we'd much rather work with Ohio businesses and figure out what works and what they learned and implement that and share the best practices amongst everybody.
3: Sure, I remember last year I wrote a story about motorsports uh, blowing up uh, their economy was better than it was pre-recession. They, uh, they Everybody was buying dirt bikes and equipment and things like that. And they they had to fight to become, you know, sort of the essential businesses. And they were because they, you know, they do a lot of farming with four, four-wheelers off-road vehicles. So it was kind of unique to see some of the businesses that actually thrived. And like you said, I think Ohio – did pretty well because a lot of businesses were deemed essential, or manufacturers were able to stay open. So now,
1: we gave people broad guidelines and told them, you know, if hey, if you if you believe that you fall under these definitions, you just probably write it down. You know, if you if, you, if you're worried about it, maybe talk to a legal counsel, but. We'd much rather, you know, err on the side of caution and keep you, you know, if you're if you're doing essential work, just document it and go forward. And so, yeah, we, you know, probably we had more stuff stay open in in Ohio than than a lot of other states because that's the approach we took. Is yeah, you know, we 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 gave people broad definitions and allowed them to kind of transition to help the uh, the effort. And uh, uh, it's, you know, I always, uh, you know, we, we opened up pretty early after President Trump's national stay at home period ended. I think we had every most businesses were open in the state uh, with clear guidance on how to open post, you know, Stay at home by the end of May, and you—the know, stuff that wasn't was kind of the big stuff, like Cedar Point or stadiums that just took a few more months to do. But you know, by the time you know most of the kids went back to school in some form in the fall, everybody had guidance on how to do what you need to do safely. And uh, a lot of that was developed in coordination with those industries, you know, manufacturing helped tell us, oh, here's what we learned about social distancing and masking in our industry. Uh, Restaurants told us, hey, here's what we think will work and not work as we try and reopen safely, Uh, you know, especially because, and and that's a tricky one, because the, uh, you know, you can't eat wearing a mask, you can't drink wearing a mask. So it's, uh, you know, that's obviously a place where there could be, you know, spread if, if you don't do things, you know, the right way. And and the, the fact, the fact is, the vast majority of Ohio businesses want to do that because they want people to come in through their doors and, and feel comfortable doing so. And so most Ohio businesses were, were, were wanting to, you know, help us come, you know, open, make sure that everything could uh, could be open and safely because we, people, you know, part of this too is consumer confidence. You want people to be confident to, to go out to eat, to be confident to go to the grocery store, to be confident, to, uh, uh, you know, do whatever X activity you're talking about.
3: Well, I know that, um, you know, your, your task and the governor's task usually is to talk about COVID and to spread the word about whether it's mandates or masking or social distancing. How difficult has it been from your perspective and maybe from the governor's office perspective of getting information out outside of COVID? So you're not always talking about COVID because as the governor, you know, Governor (coughs) has a lot of other ideas and a lot of other initiatives and programs that he wants to try to push out there. How challenging is it to talk about those or to get the ball rolling on those because COVID dominates the news cycle so much?
1: Well, I mean, we have multiple channels of communication, so we do communicate a lot directly with businesses, with people who may have a state license that, you know, the news we need to get out to affects them. Uh, if we do need to get out stuff to the state, you know, we do have the benefit of our briefings to, to do that. And so I'm sure we'll watch the briefing and say, that's probably not COVID related, but I'm glad I heard that. And so, you know, the governor will, will certainly take the opportunity to, to make announcements that you know, it may not be directly covid related but you want to tell ohioans about you know in mass and you know we've certainly taken the opportunity uh to do that uh you know last year when tax dates changed you know that you know it's not directly covid related but you know it's a great way when you'll have you know tens of thousands of ohioans watching your live to get that message out in a way that you hadn't before, and and certain and a lot of the newspapers and TV stations. I'd do a COVID recap of what happened at that day's briefing, and it would make that. And so we we've had interesting ways to do that, uh, as well as you know, in, in addition to our traditional ways to email information out.
3: Okay, um, you know, I, I think we're going to end. Uh, we 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 definitely appreciate your time, but we're going to end on sort of a fun. Uh, fun little topic, and this is uh, sort of our way of trying to help out the state of Ohio. Now, uh, a, a few weeks ago, we did uh, we we kind of use our Friday shows as sort of ranking shows, where we, okay. we we rank the top five Ohio fast food restaurants. We rank the top five uh, Ohio athletes. We've done that. Um, one of our first shows, and in fact, I think it was our first ranking show. We did: What would your Ohio Mount Rushmore be? And we wanted to kind of utilize that as maybe a way of of getting into that marketing budget that uh, the, the governor was talking about. And I don't know that we could carve out four heads with, with the fifty million dollars. So you might have to ask the governor to up that up. But we are willing, <laughs> the Ohioan podcast, we are willing to to put in that work and help out. We we did our ranking, but everybody has it. We could always do like a statewide ranking where everybody. You know, kind of brings in everything. But we're thinking people like Neil Armstrong, um, you know, Jesse Owens, a great athlete, Um, maybe Fran DeWine with her recipes, who knows, right? I mean, this this could be a possible tourist attraction like none other. And it would be all Ohioans, not just presidents. This is Ohioans, people that were either born here or made a great. Uh, You know, did something great for the communities in Ohio. Uh, So, what do you think? Do you think that maybe we could scoop up some of that $50 million marketing budget to put towards the Mount Rushmore of Ohio?
1: Well, uh, the one thing that uh, I'm thinking about this as you're describing it, the one thing this is very similar to is our uh, our trail program. The uh, and people are probably most familiar with the food trails. You know, the uh, the Southwest Ohio Donut Trail or the Mahoning Valley Italian Food Trail or the Ohio Hamburger Trail. I think we could maybe do your uh, the Ohioans Podcast Mount Rushmore Trail and map it out there and, and promote it that way. The uh, uh, outside of the 50 million dollar budget, because part of that is, as the governor said, is we're trying to make sure that we can uh, uh, advertise to to people who might be looking to move back to an area that uh, you know is, is uh, more uh, cost efficient for them. Uh, and we uh, Ohio's got a great uh, balance of great things to do, uh, great activities, great culture, uh, plus a lower cost of living than. Uh, other places or places on the coasts and uh the uh so that's part of uh part of that and part of it too is wanting to continue Ohio's had great success over the last decade under uh governor's Dewine and Kasich about uh people wanting to uh start economic development projects in the state you know we've uh, there's a uh entity called site selection magazine and it ranks all the states uh, based upon how many uh, business startup projects there are uh and ohio has done very well i think uh uh, twice under Governor Dewine, we've won uh, the, the what they call the Governor's Cup for uh, per capita startup. So we, we've got a good start, and uh, we definitely want to you know keep people coming here. Uh, so that that's more of uh, so the 50 million more under the economic development side, but I think uh, your your idea might fall under the tourism side. And I, I will promise you, Craig, I will uh, mention a Mount Rushmore of Ohio trail. <laughs> I
3: was going to say uh, I was, was going to put, uh, uh, yeah.
1: put you down for or Director Mahilich or the governor's Mount Rushmore. I was going to put
3: you down. I'll put you down for a maybe then. We'll we'll put it down for a, we'll check the maybe box on that. But we had, you know, Tony Morrison, we had Jesse Owens. I mean, a great, af- you, you, you know, we went through this process and we couldn't really believe how amazing Ohio has been in terms of just giving us either you know, people born here or people that have come here, like Jesse Owens, came here at a young age and dominated and, you know, represented the country in the Berlin Olympics. And Tony Morrison, the great writer, was on our uh, Mount Rushmore as well. Uh, we had to make some real difficult cuts because of how how great the state is. And could you imagine like a little, you know, I don't know where we would put it, maybe, you know, in southeast Ohio there and, in, in, you know, the mountain area. And we could have the carvings out of all these heads and then maybe inside the little Tourist attraction could have you know other plaques of great Ohioans like a LeBron James or Dan Tierney for instance could be in there as well. So um, I think we'll put you down for a maybe though, Dan, on that one. That sounds. Yeah, if we do do, do a like
1: physical it. Mount Rushmore, my vote would be for a for a music one. Uh, we've got obviously got a lot of great pop musicians in the state, and the uh, yeah. I, I will uh, uh, on the rock hall uh, ballot this year, of course, is Devo from Akron. Yeah. The we- uh, that yeah. way, you can put the energy dome, the uh, the the upside oh, down yeah. the power pot, on on the the actual statue. So. We
3: actually did do. Uh, Chris and I did. I think Brandon, you were off the day that we did a, a ranking of top Ohio musicians. You know, we had people like Dave Grohl on there from the, the former drummer of Nirvana and Foo Fighters front man. Uh, we had we talked about Bebo. They just missed out on it, but uh, obviously, you can't think about them. You can't think about Ohio music without them with Whippet. It. Um, but yeah, we have Bone Thugs and Harmony made my list. We took John Legend made a list. So, you know, Ohio—that's a—that's a great idea, Dan. You know, Ohio is f- just flush with great musicians.
1: I, uh, once at a uh, staff retreat, I did present on uh, the, the the concept of the presentation I did was uh, uh, the uh, you know Hang on Sloopy being the state rock song and the fact <laughs> that the McCoys who recorded Hang on Sloopy were from Indiana. So (laughs) half of them actually were from Fort Recovery, Ohio, but they always considered themselves an Indiana band. And uh, you're right. Bone Thugs and Harmony were the most successful uh, Ohio group on the the Billboard charts, having a number one for six weeks. The band that had the most number ones from Ohio was the Ohio Players, Roller Coaster of Love and Fire. Uh, You know, John Legend streamed the most. uh, So there's definitely a lot of uh, uh, great Ohioans. on there as well. Uh, what I uh, was actually very glad to see, I forget whether it was the Beacon Journal or Cleveland.com or one of the local papers, but uh, they did a profile on uh, last year on uh, Benjamin Orr of the cars who had uh, passed away 20 years ago. And his, uh, his grave is in Northeast Ohio <laughs> as well. So um, not a lot of people uh, realize that he and Rick Kasich or Rico Cossack were, uh, were, were, were uh, Cleveland area guys before they moved out to Boston.
3: We should have had you on our ranking show for the uh, Ohio musicians. You would have added a lot of, You know, intelligence over what uh, Chris and I had. We just uh, kind of picked like Twenty One Pilots. You know, they're from Columbus. Uh, I picked Nine Inch Nails as my top Ohio band, but mostly for their uh, film scoring. They uh, they've done a lot of musical scoring for film uh, that they won an Oscar and uh, done some great things there. So, uh, well, Dan, uh, we definitely appreciate your time, Brandon. Do you have any final thoughts or any final questions for Dan?
2: Uh, No, I think um, we kind of covered a lot and. Appreciate Dan for being on here. Um, I know we didn't get to pop culture as much, so Dan, uh, uh, maybe just favorite movie, favorite book, if you want to throw that out there. Um, i as a more, even more lighthearted way to end it off. Or what are you streaming? So what are you uh, streaming? Yeah. All right, that's probably good. What am I reading and what am I streaming?
1: Uh, so the uh, I'm uh, reading a book about the uh, right now about the history of the New Romantics. You know, the early '80s. Uh, you know, the uh, music phenomenon out of uh, Britain. You know, if you think Duran Duran, Depeche Mode, uh, Culture Club, that type of stuff. That's uh, kind of my musical bailiwick. And so they uh, came up with a good history of that. The uh, uh, it's called Sweet Dreams: uh, The History of the New Romantics. Uh, streaming wise, yeah, you know, my wife and I alternate uh, shows, uh, that we, uh, picked to watch. So we had recently finished Bridgerton. Uh, that was her okay. choice. And so, uh, I, I chose now, uh, which came out last year, the, uh, uh, dark crystal age of resistance. So, uh, which came out previously, but, uh, had not seen, but uh, I looked at the, uh, the voice cast for the Jim Henson puppets in there. And it's got uh, uh, basically everybody is a huge celebrity who is in that show. Uh, Taryn Edgerton uh, is the, is one of the the main characters as well as the, the, uh, the actress, I forget her name who plays in the Queen's Gambit, but Helena Bonham Carter is a queen. You've got uh, the, the uh, Skeksis are played by Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Keel, Simon Pegg, uh, Harvey (laughs) Firestein. Uh, the uh, so uh, uh, Sigourney Weaver's the uh, the uh, narrator. So I uh, check that one out. Uh, if it, anybody it was a fan of the original movie, this is a prequel to it. So okay. highly enjoyable. Right.
3: Well, Dan, we definitely uh, thank you for coming on. We hope to have you on again. And uh, like I said, we'll we'll start getting the designs drawn for the Mount Rushmore. And we'll just, I get, do we send you guys a bill or how does that maybe, maybe we'll just send you a bill for 50 million and uh, let, let me
1: touch base with uh, our our development services agents if we get that guy. <laughs> <laughs>
3: All right, Dan. Well, as always, we, we appreciate your time here on the Ohioan Podcast. Uh, for Brandon and Dan and for Chris as well, I'd just like to say thanks for listening and tune in for more as we uh, continue on with uh, various segments throughout the week and uh, obviously rankings as, uh, as always. So we're signing off today for the Ohioan. You guys have a great day.
0: Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney.